Welcome to the Modern Church Podcast. Our aim is not to alter the sacred words of the Bible, but rather to create an environment where the profound teaching of Scripture can deeply influence and reshape our lives. We hope that this message resonates within you, sparking a change from within. May you encounter God in ways you never imagined. Enjoy the message. Man, we're so glad that you're here. And I'm really excited today because we are rounding out a collection of talks that we've been calling Relationship Playbook. Look at your neighbor and say, Relationship Playbook. The whole point of this collection of talks is to give you somewhat of a playbook when it comes to your relationships, to help you in in your dating relationships, or maybe you're engaged, or you're married, or whatever the case may be. And so I'm excited today because I kind of want to talk about something that we haven't hit on just yet. But I think it's important when we're talking about relationships. And so today, I want to talk to you from the subject, training the next generation. Training the next generation. Now, I've got to preface it with this. I'm no expert in training the next generation or in even raising children because I I think that's a part of training the next generation. Um, I have one right now, and uh, I'm still figuring it out, okay, guys? Uh, And so pray for me. Pray for Pastor Celeste. We're figuring this out. But uh, instead of giving you my personal opinions on the matter, which, by the way, I'm I'm not going to do ever in our church, um, what I want to do is give you what God's Word says about how to train the next generation. Does that sound like a good plan? And so today, I want you to turn to Psalms 78, um, verse 3 through 7. Did anyone bring a paper Bible, a physical Bible in the room? If the lights are so bright, I can't hardly tell, but I think there's something special. Yeah, I see a couple people. There's something special about a physical Bible. Um, You know, if you got AT&T the other day, you weren't able to get on your Bible app. You know what I'm saying? Um, So we're praying for you and uh, for our entire nation right now, my Lord. And so I think there's just something special about having a physical Bible. Man, I just encourage you, bring your physical Bible to church, um, and I promise you God will speak to you in the midst of it, and you can underline stuff, and you can highlight stuff, and you'll thank me in about 20 years when you go back and you see all of the things that God's been speaking to you over the years. So turn to Psalms 78, verse 3 through 7, and it says this. It says, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us, we will not hide them from their descendants, but we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, his wonders that he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them and even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God, and they would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. I love this verse because it shows you right here. If we would train the next generation in the Lord, here is what will happen. They will not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commandments. I love that. Let's pray, and let's just ask the Holy Spirit for help. Lord, we're just asking you right now, help, help us in this message, Lord. I pray that you would speak to every person in the situation. Lord, I don't want to be up here if you're not up here with me. And so, God, I just pray that you would take my words and just 
begin to weave them into every single heart and every situation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, everybody. Can I, can I get another good amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I, I don't know if you have um, seen this spectacular movie. Um, hopefully I don't get an email on this. Uh, but the movie The Gladiator, has anyone ever seen the movie The Gladiator? It's an incredible movie, and um, if you haven't seen it by now, I'm like, you're never going to see it, so I'm just going to give it away. Um, but Russell Crowe plays a general in the Roman army who gets wrongfully accused um, and gets sent off, and he becomes a gladiator where he is literally fighting to the death. In, in the Colosseum, in the arena, where he is fighting to the death. Um, and, 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 you know, you might be thinking, what does fighting to the death have to do with training the next generation? I think there are some similarities. You know? If you've got kids, you understand. There are definitely some similarities there. And, and, and one of the greatest lines that Russell Crowe says throughout the entire movie, it's probably one of the most quoted lines of the movie, He's speaking to a group of men, and they're getting ready to go out and fight in the Colosseum, and now they've kind of established a little bit of a team here. And Russell Crowe is the leader, and he says this. He says, gentlemen, what we do here in life echoes in eternity. Now, here's the thing. For him to try to inspire the men, I mean, what an incredible, just one sentence What an incredible sentence to inspire these guys. But one sentence wouldn't really be enough. You know what really, if you watch this movie, what really inspired these men is the way that he lived, the way that he fought, the principles that he stood by, the courage that he had when he stepped into that Colosseum. That would speak louder than just one sentence that he would say to these men before they go out and fight. And if you forget everything that that I'm saying today, remember this right here. The way you live will teach the next generation more about God than anything you could ever say. The way you live will teach them more about God. And and I, I just wonder for everybody that's in the room today, who is watching you right now? Who is watching the way that you live? Do you remember that old song? I think it's um, Rockwell that, that, that sang the song, um, I Always Feel Like Somebody's Watching Me. You remember that song? And, and, let me just tell you, somebody is watching you right now. They're watching the way that you act, how you respond. Um, the, the, they're watching the way that you handle stress, the way that you handle joy and, and good times. And they're The the most important thing is that they're not just watching what you say, but they're watching how you act. And it's not China. It's it's not Mark Zuckerberg that's watching your every, I mean, it may be, I don't know, you know, maybe, but you know who it is? It's the next generation. They are watching our every move. And and if, if you're in the room today, maybe you're like, well, I don't have kids. I don't have somebody that's watching my every, I promise you, you've got somebody that's watching you. You've got a younger sibling, maybe a cousin, a niece, a nephew. Maybe you're a teacher in here. You've got students in your classrooms. Maybe you're a coach. You've got boys on your basketball team. Or maybe it's kids in the kids' ministry. We've got people out here serving today, and and there are kids watching their every move. But it's especially our children. Somebody in the next generation is watching you. They're watching 
the way that you act. You know, uh, Jim Henson, the creator of the Muppets, said this. I loved this, this quote from him. He said, the attitude you have as a parent is what your kids will learn. They don't remember what you try to teach them. They remember who you are. For the next gener- generation coming up, they're going to remember who we are and how we live. And this, this matters because if we want the next generation to have a thriving relationship with Jesus, we've got to demonstrate what one looks like to them. It's sad to say, but statistically, the next generation is taking longer and longer to launch into adulthood. Just statistically, you can see this across the board. Um, The average age for young adults to get married is now 28 to 30 years old. Um, The average age for a young adult to move out of their house is 25 to 27 years old. Uh, Students who go to college, uh, 50 to 70% of students change their major at least once before they graduate college. And if you just look 10 years back, these numbers are staggering to what they used to be. Why? Because the next generation, they're just taking longer and longer to launch into all that God has for them, to discover their gifts, discover their purpose. They're taking longer to step into adulthood, and they're remaining in their adolescence. Well, you know, I see these numbers, and I automatically think, how can we help? Anybody want to help in here? Are you like me? Because I'm like, man, I've got a heart for the next generation. I've got cousins, and I've got nieces and nephews, and, and, and I've got a son, and, and, and I'm already just like, man, I've got a heart for the next generation. I want to make sure that I'm doing exactly what God's Word says, and I'm passing along the Word that has been taught to me to the next generation. And you know, in, in 1954, a, a man named Roger Bannister did what the entire world thought was impossible. Okay. Up until this point in time, in 1954, the world thought it was physically impossible for somebody to run a four-minute mile. And Roger just refused to believe what everyone else believed and refused to believe what culture was saying, and he just set out to break this world record. And then on, let me get you the date so so I get this right, May 6th, of 1954, Roger ran a 3-minute, 59.4-second mile and broke this record. What's crazy about this story is not that Roger broke the record, but that very soon after he broke the record, three or four individuals broke it as well. Because they just saw, it's possible? Wait, you can't... The, a human being can run a, a four-minute mile or, or less, and as soon as Roger did it, it, just others began to follow suit. And I came to tell everybody in the room today that the next generation, they will quickly follow suit if we would just blaze a trail before them of what it looks like to passionately follow Jesus. And so what I, what I want to do today is I, I want to give you Uh, uh, A couple of things, I've got five things for you on how we can train the next generation in the ways of the Lord. And again, maybe you're in here and you're like, "I, I don't know if I have somebody. I promise you, somebody is watching you from the next generation. 
somebody. It's a family member. It's a friend. It's, it, it, it's, it's somebody in the classroom. It's, it's somebody that you have in your life. They're watching you. And so the first thing is this, that we need to teach the Bible to the next generation from infancy. Teach the Bible to the next generation from infancy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 15 says this. It says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, at, at our house, um, we, we literally take this stuff seriously. And, and, and sometimes we can get caught up just kind of throwing something on the TV. And, you know, our son wants to watch like Blippi and I want to you know, pull my hair out at the same time because it's like the worst thing in the world for an adult to watch. But it's mesmerizing to him, um, you know, and he wants to watch some of the stuff. And, and so we, one time we were just like, what could we like put on that isn't just like mind-numbing, you know, just like blah, 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 like in the background for a kid. And so what we started to do is we started to uh, um, put on the, I guess you would call it the live recordings of some worship songs that we sing here at our church that Celeste and I uh, both love, um, that we listen to in our own personal worship time. And, and, and one song that my son absolutely loves is called I Thank God. It's by Maverick City. And the great thing about my son is he his, his uh, English is not great right now, and so he pronounces it, God thank God. And so I'm telling you, this boy will wake up in the middle of the night, he will find his way over to the side of my bed, scare the, the absolute life out of me, you know, like I felt like my soul leave for a second and then came back in, I was like, you know, and I wake up and he just will stare at me and he'll go, God, thank God, you know, he wants to listen to it at 3 a.m. And I'm like, son, I love that, but no, go back to bed. We are sleeping right now. But, you know, we just decided we wanted to teach the Bible and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our home. And it's just something that we started to do, and we started putting on these different worship songs. And I'm telling you, my son loves it. He loves it. And it's just a way that we can actually just begin to teach him. And, and this is sad to say today, but somebody is teaching the next generation. The sad thing is it might not be you. It might be Disney. It might be Netflix. It might be YouTube. It might be their school. It might be their friends. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one teaching the next generation. I want to be the one that has a say on the, 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 the stuff that they're consuming. I want them to learn the Bible. I want them to learn the importance of prayer. I want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want them to love like Jesus loved. I want them to fall in love with Jesus. But the only way that I can do that is if I'm intentional with how I teach them. And if you're not being intentional right now, you're falling behind. Because somebody is teaching the next generation. So let me just ask you this. What are some creative ways that you could teach the Bible to the next generation? Whoever it is that you have influence with, whoever it is that's looking up to you and, and, and they're watching your every movement, how can you teach the Bible? Maybe it's a read a scripture before your, your, your basketball game, your volleyball game. Maybe if you're a coach in this 
place. Maybe it's just, you know, share scripture and encourage everybody before a game or a practice. Maybe you're a teacher and you've got kids in your classroom. Can you hang up a scripture on the wall? I don't, you know, don't, make sure you get permission. I don't want you to get fired. But, but there are, I think, ways that we can be creative to teach the next generation the Bible. Maybe it's something as simple as this. Maybe it's just making sure I'm getting my siblings, my cousins, my nieces and nephews, my friends, whoever it is, the people that are, that are in my, my kids' class and getting their parents and inviting them to church so that their kids can be in our kids' ministry and, and th- th- their teenagers can come and, and, and hear God's word and, and, and be in his presence. And I just have to give a, a, a very shameless plug to our kids' ministry volunteers because that right there is such an easy way that you can actually teach the next generation about God's Word. It's just by volunteering. We've got people out here right now. They're teaching God's Word to your kids, my son. And I'm so thankful for them. And me as your pastor, I'm, I'm going to, again, this is shamelessly. I'm going to ask you this. Would you consider being one of our kids' volunteers? Because if I'm being honest with you, it is the area that we need the most help in. And, and we have such a young church, which is incredible. Um, I love that. But it means we have a lot of babies and a lot of kids. And we just need some more help. And we've got some amazing volunteers that are literally out there every week. We want to create a rotation of people so that those volunteers have a chance to come in here and, and, and consume God's word with everybody else and be in worship as well. And so I just want to throw that out there. Would you consider maybe that's a way that you could teach the next generation by signing up to be one of our kids' volunteers. The way that you do that, complete both steps of growth track. Here's another really easy way that you can do this with maybe the people that you have in your home or if you ever have nieces or nephews over. Here's another great way. You can sign up for our free Right Now Media account. On our link tree, you can see Right Now Media. You can even go to our website. There's a button that says Discover More, and you can go to a Right Now Media account, and you can just sign up. We give it away. Our church gives it away for free, and they have kids' movies and kids' shows and and stuff for junior high age and, and stuff for high schoolers and young adults. It's There are so many incredible options that maybe instead of just turning on Netflix or Disney, you can actually just give them something that's, that's giving them God's word. It's free. It's our resource to you. Last thing I wanted to say on this one is this. The other thing that we need to do is we need to eliminate things that would teach the next generation the total opposite of what the Bible says. And it's alarming to me how dark Hollywood has become. I mean, literally right now in our lobby, I don't know, we covered it up before you got here, but there are some posters and stuff that, I mean, it's, it's just very dark. And, and to be honest with you, it is a very demonic spirit behind it all. And you have to be careful that you're not allowing the next generation to consume that type of content. And I'm not going to go through and list everything, but, you know, if you want to ask me about it later, I'll give you some very specific shows and movies that I think would be way inappropriate for a Christian household because it's just rooted in darkness. And I, I think we have to eliminate that stuff and teach the Bible. Come on, everybody. Can I get a good amen? The next one, number two, is this. We've got to instruct and discipline the next generation in the Lord. 
Now, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a family member, you can definitely help instruct and let the discipline be up to the parents, okay? Let the parents be the ones who instruct and discipline. In fact, Ephesians 6.4 says this. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. See, here's the thing. Over-discipline can be just as bad as no discipline. Children can't just be left to lead themselves. They need instruction. They need discipline from their parents, from their guardians. And we don't discipline because discipline itself is, is good for them. I mean, I think that it is. It can be a very good thing for kids. But we also discipline because a lack of discipline is worse. Let me ask you this. If you had a a, a child in your home and they just kept reaching for a hot stove, would you not bring some sort of instruction in the situation? If they kept disobeying, would you not bring some form of discipline? I'm not saying that you would go beat their rear end. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying you would, you would definitely bring instruction and discipline if necessary. Why? Because the lack of cor- correction, the lack of instruction, the lack of discipline means that they're going to get burnt. And so correction, it doesn't bring perfection. It just brings direction. Correction and discipline for the next generation, man, it just provides healthy parameters for healthy growth, development to establish clear boundaries and guidelines on how to live. It also fosters a sense of responsibility, respect, and self-control. And so I think we've got to instruct and discipline the next generation in the Lord. Number three is this. We've got to live out God's word to the next generation every day. We have to live out God's word to the next generation every single day. Look at Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. It says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Then it goes on to say, Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And So coaches, teachers, family members, siblings, parents, you should be modeling your faith to the next generation. And you should be doing it in a way that is not prideful or hypocritical. In fact, I wrote this down. The fastest way to extinguish a move of God in the next generation is for the current generation to say one thing and do the opposite. We have to model what it looks like to follow Jesus day in and day out. We have to model what it looks like to spend time in prayer, spend time in our word, spend time in worship. We've got to model the way that you respond when difficult situations arise. We've got to model how do you react when someone cuts you off in traffic. We have to model our faith to them. And I love this verse in Romans 12, verses 9 through 18, man, this just goes on to give you such an easy to-do list on how to live. It says this, it says, love, it must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual 
fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Do not be conceited. Do not... Uh, repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If you didn't have a to-do list of how to live, you've got one right there in Romans 12. It puts it plain and simple for you. This is how we should look. This is how we should act. And it is so important that we as the current generation, set a good example in all that we do. I remember one time my aunt and uncle, who had five boys, all uh, younger than me, um, they invited me to go, to go on a cruise with, with the family. And uh, their five boys, uh, I think, looked up to me a little bit at the time. Um, now they're all like, you know, seven foot tall and, and play football at college. And so now I look up to them, literally and, and you know, figuratively. And, and I, but I think when we were younger, they looked up to me a lot. And so my aunt and uncle invited me to go on this cruise with them. And so my parents flew me out to L.A. And uh, they were going to be picking me up at the airport. And I can't remember where we were porting from, somewhere out of California. And, and I remember that they did this before we went on this cruise. And I thought this was so cool. That before we went and spent this week out on the carnival cruise ship, and we just ate all we could eat, and we went to the beach, and we went... Uh, you know, on jet skis, and we did all the fun things, and we just lived for me, me, me. You know what they had us do? They had us actually go out to Skid Row in L.A., and we served the people that were out there, which is a very large homeless population. It, It is a very large crime area in L.A., and we went out there, and we were just serving at this organization. I don't even remember the name of it, but we were just serving food to people. We were helping clean up. We were having conversations with people, praying with people. And I thought it was so cool that they did that because you know what? I really believe it showed not only myself at the time, but even my younger siblings. It just showed them that the world does not revolve around you. I mean, when you get out there and you start seeing what people are going through and the stories that people have, you start to realize this world does not revolve around me. And there are people out there that are going through something. They're hurting. And I can help. And I just thought it was such a cool thing that we served together. What an easy way to actually live out God's word just by serving other people. Not living for ourselves, but putting others first. That concept is all throughout your Bible. So how can you live out God's word to the next generation? I I put three quick things that, that, that you can write down. How you can live out God's word to the next generation. You can promote it with your words. You can perform it with your actions. And especially if your parents or you have somebody that comes inside your home, you can present it within your home. Promote it with your words. Perform it with your actions and present it within your home. Number four is this. 
that we've got to seek out opportunities to teach the next generation God's commandments. We need to seek out opportunities to teach the next generation God's commandments. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. It's just telling us right here, hey, this, it needs to become a normal thing. You know, one thing that we're trying to do with our son, we did it last year and we've talked about it, and it's something that we want to do every single year. But we did this this past Christmas. Um, we, we took our son, and before Christmas rolled around, it was the beginning of December, we brought this empty tote out, and we said, okay, Bobby, what toys do you want to give to somebody who needs toys? You know, he's young, so I don't know if he fully understood what we were doing, but we just went through, and we just helped him pick out some old toys that maybe he doesn't play with anymore, and He's kind of gotten over, and we just begin to load them into this tote so that we could actually donate them to a family in need. And it was just such a simple way to just show Bobby, and let's love others like we would want to be loved. Let's treat others like we would want to be treated. And so we, you know, we, we loaded these all up, and we ended up donating all of those. And here's the thing knowing that he's going to get a bunch more toys here in like two weeks when Christmas rolled around. But I think it was good, and I think it's going to be really healthy as he continues to grow, to see, man, this world, it doesn't revolve around me. How can I help somebody else? And that's just what we're trying to do in our home. We're trying to just make talking about God just a natural part of life's events. At the dinner table, at holiday events, in car rides, and definitely after big moments in life, after a death in the family, after a divorce, after you move cities away and you unplug from everything that you knew and you're plugging in somewhere else, there definitely should be conversation with your kids, with whoever it is that's in your house. The last one is this. We've got to prepare the next generation to trust in God's power. We've got to prepare the next generation to trust in God's power. Here's the verse. I read it to you at the beginning. Let's read it again in Psalms 78. Let me read you verse 4 through 8. It says, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and his wonders that he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn, watch, here's what happens when we teach it. They in turn would tell their children. And they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, would keep his commands. What's it saying? They wouldn't forget what God's done. That's his deeds. And they wouldn't forget his commands. That's God's word. And it says this, that they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like 
that generation. I want to be the generation that has enough sense to say, the next generation behind me, I've got to be the one that blazes a trail for them. You know, Celeste and I, we were youth pastors for just about eight years. And actually, we've really been in youth ministry for the longest time ever. Um, I, I grew up and went to our youth ministry starting in sixth grade. And then I interned at our church for four years. And I spent every single Sunday night at our youth ministry after I graduated. And then I got hired on as youth pastor and did another eight years. So I literally have been in youth ministry for years. This is like the first year in forever that on a Sunday night, we're not actually going to youth ministry. And I'll tell you what, I hope that that time stays real short. I'm hoping that our church just continues to grow and we've got to launch a youth ministry like that. And we've, we're able to just pull in young adults and junior high and high school students and actually just speak to them and, and, and do everything that I listed today. But I remember this one moment when we were youth pastors. We had this kid come to our, our, our service for the very first time and uh, his name was Nick. But here was the problem. We already had like three Nicks. And it's like, you can't have, we can't add another Nick. It's already too confusing. And so we immediately had to come up with a nickname for Nick so that we could remember. And Nick was literally like seven foot tall, big dude. And so we just started calling him Big Nick. And somehow that shifted to Big Meech. Don't ask me how. Um... But it shifted to Big Meech. And so we started calling this guy Big Meech. And Big Meech, man, at first, this, he was kind of awkward. And he was kind of quiet. And you know, his, his parents were going through a lot. And I know that he was going through a, a difficult situation and had to move schools because just kids were being real mean to him at, at the school that he was in. And just, go, just going through a ton of stuff. And you could kind of see it when he would walk in the room. You could literally see exactly what he was going through. I mean, he would just wear it on his sleeve. But Nick just be, began to come, and, 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 and he, he was really interested in some of the tech stuff and, 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 and the lights and the sound. And so he very quickly wanted to help serve in that way. And so Nick begins to, to serve. And, I mean, man, you could just see just his eyes light up when he started to get to use the gifts that God had, had placed on the inside of him to make a difference for somebody else to know Jesus. I mean, we would have him running sound and, and running the, the pro presenter, which throws the graphics on the screen and, and, and r running the lights. And, and man, he was just, just loving it, just having the time of his life because he knew, man, if I wasn't here to turn the mics on, people wouldn't be able to hear the word. If I wasn't here to put the scriptures up there, people wouldn't be able to take notes. If I wasn't here to turn the lights on, it'd be pitch black in here and Pastor Brent would be preaching in the pitch dark. And so he just knew if I serve in this way, I'm making a difference in the life of somebody else. And during this time of him just serving, you could just see this young man fall in love with Jesus. And Nick then graduated and he went off to a, a, a Bible college where they actually train you in some of this stuff. And now he is employed on staff at the largest church in America. And I could not be more proud. I call him, I'll text him, we will catch up. 
And every time I say, man, I'm so proud of you. You're doing amazing things for God. Keep it up. Keep falling in love with Jesus. Keep setting a good example for the generation that's coming up behind you. Man, I'm just so proud. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more fulfilling as a parent, as a teacher, as a mentor, as an aunt, as an uncle, than knowing that I helped raise up somebody that is now walking in their purpose and living on assignment from heaven and making a difference in the life of somebody else and just paving the way for the next generation to know God. There's nothing more fulfilling than seeing that happen. And I've seen it with Nick. And I love catching up with them and telling them how proud I am. And then I'm like, come work for Modern Church. You know what I mean? Like, come on, bro. Get down here. He's just doing incredible things. And I love this in John, in 3 John 1. It says this, verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Here's the thing. You cannot expect the next generation to live for God in the future if you aren't willing to live for Him in the now. And so let me ask you this. Is it time for you to go all in? Is it time for you to say, you know what? I've been living my life on the fence. I've maybe been lukewarm with my faith and sometimes I'm hot and sometimes I'm cold but today it's time for me to just go all in because somebody coming up behind me is watching my every move and I want to make sure that I'm the one that gets to pass the baton to the next generation so here's what I want to do I want to just pray for some people in the room if you would just bow your head close your eyes not out of religious tradition really just out of respect for one another because I don't want to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know who I'm praying for. But if you're in the room today and you're like, you know, you know what, Pastor Brent, I, I've known God, but, but I have been living my life on the fence and, and I need to just give my life to Jesus. I need to make him top priority in my life. I need to come running back to a relationship with him. If that's you and, and you've known God, but you just need to recommit your life to Jesus. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand. One, you know who you are. Two, God loves you so much. Three, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Yeah, I just need to set Jesus as my, my Lord and Savior again. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. That hand. That hand. I see that hand. You can put your hands down. Last question is this. Maybe you're in here and you haven't known a relationship with Jesus. You've never said Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of who I am. And today you're saying, you know what? Today I want to give my life to Jesus and I want him to forgive me of my sins and I want him to wash me clean and and I want the grace that comes along with having a relationship with him. And and, and then today I want to just see God move in my life from this day forward. If that's you in the room, on the count of three, would you just slip up your hand? Nobody's looking around. One, you know who you are. Two, God loves you so much. Three, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I need to accept Jesus for the very first time. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Here's what I want to do. I want us to to pray, and I want us to pray as a church family out loud and together. Would you say this? Would you say, Jesus, I love you. And today, I give my life to you. 
from this day forward, I choose to follow you. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I repent from them. I choose to turn the other way and follow you. God, from this day forward, I'll never be the same. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, everybody. Can we just give it up for everybody that just gave their life to Jesus? Thank you for joining us on the Modern Church Podcast. If you found this message meaningful, please subscribe for more transformative content. And if you would like to support our church financially, you can plant a financial seed by donating at modernchurch.org. Thank you for listening.